0: And you can't end the day by patting yourself on the back and going, man, I did a really amazing job today, I'm the best. And you also can't end your day by saying, wow, I suck. I I didn't get this thing I wanted, I didn't win this motion or whatever it is.
1: Wouldn't you love a backstage pass to candid discussions at the crossroads of motherhood, justice, community, entrepreneurship, mentoring and success? host Melissa Rosenblum is one of only a few women certified by the Supreme Court of New Jersey as a criminal trial attorney. When you add kids, a booming law business, and a little black book full of subject matter experts, you've got the Mighty Merp podcast. That's MightyMerp.com.
2: Welcome back to the Mighty Murp Podcast. This is Melissa Rosenblum, and I'm here today talking to Nancy Ann Eidolot. She's a founding partner of Eidolot and Scardella Law. Her key areas of practice are criminal defense, as well as domestic violence, municipal court, and has frequently lectured on these topics, as well as ethics. Welcome, Nancy Ann. Thank you, Melissa. I'm so excited to be here with you. I am so excited to talk to you. I feel like it's been ages since we've had like really in-depth conversations of uh, how our careers are going and um, how we're navigating them.
0: Yes, yes, especially because I'm not in Atlantic County so much anymore, so I don't get to see your, your shining face
2: in court so much. I know, but it's always so exciting when we run into each other, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, Melissa, I have to say back when I was a law clerk
0: and I was meeting all of the lawyers for the first time and getting acquainted with, you know, what the criminal bar was like in Atlantic County and just lawyers in general, you were the nicest. You didn't treat me like a law clerk. And I just always thought to myself, you know, I really want to be like her in my practice. And so I'm really honored, you know, 10 years later, um, passed my clerkship and now we're more
2: colleagues and peers, and it's just really cool. So I just, I always kind of wanted to thank you for that, and I don't know if I ever did. Oh, I thank you. I, I I really love mentoring and teaching, and I think that's, that's you know, I always feel like when new attorneys are coming in that the best thing we can do um, is to just, you know, welcome and encourage. So thank you. I appreciate your kind words. Um, so we're here today to really talk about um women in law and sort of our hurdles and obstacles that I just think are different than men. And especially in our area of law, criminal defense work, which is so male dominated. Mm -hmm.
1: And um,
2: I know that you've had, you know, experiences in navigating um, being a woman lawyer. Uh, both in Atlantic and you're uh, mostly in Camden now, right?
0: Yes, yes, and my my partner has an office in Mercer, so I'm in Mercer and Camden more than Atlantic at this point.
2: Right. So um, maybe we, we can start with what your expectations were when you started law practicing in law versus some of the experiences. Um, you know, that you've had, especially with uh, working with and interacting uh, with other women and men in the criminal justice system?
0: Sure. So I think one thing that definitely sticks out to me is when I was a young baby lawyer and a law clerk, um, I just kind of thought, well, I- I'm good at this, I care, I'm preparing, I'm working hard. So I am going to be treated just like anybody else, just like the male colleagues in the bar. Um, I I really was naive enough, Melissa. I truly thought with enough hard work, when I walk into the room, I'm going to be treated just like anyone else. Um, And day one, um, walking into the Superior Courthouse in Mace Landing on the the first case that I appeared on by myself when when I was a, a brand new lawyer um, and it was, you know, maybe two weeks in and my boss at the time said, okay, you're 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 going in on this case, because I'm sure it was a case that he didn't like, um, or it was hard. <laughs>
2: or he and didn't feel and like this driving is after there. your clerkship. This is... Yes.
0: Yeah. So this would have been right after the clerkship. So maybe about a month after the clerkship ended into my brand new practice, um, working for a, a solo uh, criminal defense attorney. Who is a male, which mm-hmm. we should mention that if we're talking about the, the female male dynamic in criminal defense. And he was a, a very well known, well liked, well respected criminal defense attorney. So I thought, well, his reputation is going to rub off on me and everyone will treat me great. So I walked in, I walked into the courthouse and I had this really nice briefcase that my judge, uh, Max Baker, mm-hmm. who uh, sadly passed away mm-hmm. recently, he had gifted this bag to me beautiful leather, Levenger is the brand, which I had never heard of, but I love their products. I get all their stuff now. Levenger brand, beautiful leather briefcase. And I'm sure his wife picked it out, but it was gorgeous. (laughs) And I walked in, I'm feeling great. I have my, you know, my beautiful outfit, my nice brand new suit. And I put my suitcase or my briefcase up on the metal conveyor, the detector, and the sheriff's officer goes, here's your purse, ma'am hands it back to me. Here's your purse. And I just kind of looked at him like, Oh, he, he must not realize I'm a lawyer, even though I'm standing here in my very nice suit and my nice shoes and my hair is done. My makeup is done. And he still thinks that I am just a a member of the public coming into the courthouse for whatever reason. And here, here's my purse that I'm, that I'm giving Uh him, which is huge. And who cares a purse that big, but, um, And I just remember being completely completely flabbergasted by that. And I know he didn't mean anything by it. And that's, I think, a topic that you and I can relate on is that there's a lot of sexism that goes on that people are just not thinking, they're not being considerate, they may not intend to act in a certain way, but it it still affects us and it affects
2: what we do. I think you said it really well that the comment wasn't meant to be insulting. And yet, um, you know, how many courtrooms, how many times have you gone to court and people have said, whether it's a sheriff's officer, the court staff, um, you know, you're in a new courtroom and the question is, and you are?
0: (laughs) Right, even the judge. I mean, even it's because the the sexism is rooted in these assumptions, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I come into the courthouse As a a younger, you know, I guess I was 26 at the time, um, younger female in a criminal courthouse, which is, as you said before, the the criminal defense bar is so heavily male dominated. Um, You do have a a good number of female prosecutors, but the defense attorneys are overwhelmingly male. And so the private defense
2: bar in criminal law is majority male. I mean, I think. I think out of when I became a certified trial attorney, which was in about 2015 or 2016, there were only 25 women on that list. You go, girl! That oh. is that's so badass. I love it. Ah, uh, but the point is, is that and most of them were prosecutors. Just think in the whole right. state of New Jersey, that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure it's higher now. You know, seven or eight years later, but um, yeah. So. It is amazing, you know, the way you're um, I think the assumption is that you're not the lawyer and then you have to, you know, correct. You know, uh, correct whoever you're talking to. Um, And I'm not sure why that is, especially when you're wearing what I call the court uniform.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes. And that's that's interesting that you're bringing up wardrobe again, because that is, that sticks out in my mind so much about this day when I went to court and I had my beautiful briefcase and my beautiful suit. And I felt like I was projecting the image of an attorney, not somebody else. Um, and it just, it it wasn't that way. That assumption followed me just by virtue of probably my age too, but, but also, um, just being a woman walking in and it's, That assumption follows us around, and it's hard because you don't want to overcompensate, right? You don't want to act like we probably know other female attorneys who maybe are insecure about things, and they come across very like they're compensating. Uh, they're, They're being too forceful or they're being too what they think they should be instead of what they really are. Um, And that's just, it's kind of sad to see. Um, I'm sure you can think of people that you've seen in your career um, that are overcompensating for that assumption. Because what's what's the saying, you know, I have to work twice as hard or or be twice as good as a a mediocre man
2: in my profession? Well, I think it's this. What you're saying to me reminds me of a few different things, but I think that women have to balance the too much complex or being too much. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I mean too much of everything. Like we can't be too confident. We can't be uh, too polished. We can't be too aggressive. We can't be too meek. We can't be too pretty but we also Mm -hmm. can't be too ugly. We, you know, um, and we have to find this balance that I know men men never, never have to think, is this too much? Am I too much? Mm -hmm. And we have both worked for and know men that walk in with the confidence and cockiness um, that like, you know, is permeating from them. And if we right. did that, I think the reaction would be, who does she think she is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. There's also, if a man goes into court and the opposite of being overly confident and cocky, if they're like the absent-minded professor, like bumbling and, and you know mismatched a little, people still think that's endearing. Right. Right. And for us, we're frumpy and not put together. And, you know, and it shows that we're not organized, which none of that could be true, you know, but it's just the stereotypes and assumptions that people make. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a balance, I, I will say. And I don't know if you're there yet. You've been out 10 plus years. Yes. I do. I am at the point when I go to court, I dress now. For me, I'm very confident in my style. Um, I'm not trying to prove anything. Um, I just, you know, I just, you know, I wear what I want to wear. I don't wear traditional suits unless I'm in front of a jury. And I feel like when I'm in front of a jury, I have to Look the way they think a lawyer looks. But oh, of course. You know, when I go to court normally, I just wear dresses and things that I'm comfortable in. And I don't really care what other people think, but I will tell you people comment on my outfit every single day. Every day. Saying that they like it or. It, it, it's something. Oh, that's nice. Or oh, I like that. Look at your shoes. Or that's, you know, it's just always something.
0: Well, with women, I mean, we're always getting comments on our appearance, even as little girls. It's, oh, what a pretty little dress, or your hair is so cute, or, you know, that's that's always the first comment. It's never, you're so brave, or you're so smart, or you're, it's always, what a cute outfit, or, what a cute little girl, and it that follows us throughout our lives and into the courtroom, and, and I, I think I almost got whiplash from nodding so hard when you were talking about as women, we cannot be one extreme or another. We have to constantly search for that middle ground because if we're too frumpy or we're too pretty or we're too feminine or we're too masculine, people are going to have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it's funny that you say that because I, <laughs> I have struggled so much with that. I, I still wear at least a suit jacket or you know blazer type jacket um, to court every single time. And my law partner, who's a, a little bit older, um, she's about five years older than I am. Shout out to Lauren Scardella. Um, <laughs> she needs a shout out. She She's about five years older than I am, and I won't say how old she is. Um, but she's, she's a very attractive female attorney, um, and she has a lot of confidence. She's been doing this about 15 years or so. And she also, um, like you, she'll wear something professional always but she may wear a cardigan over a dress or something um that's not the traditional suit and I'm just not there yet I just feel uncomfortable doing that and I just feel like god you know I already have enough enough trouble proving who I am in this courtroom (laughs) I
2: got to at least have the jacket okay so I'm gonna give you my two cents of advice okay I'm ready so I don't wear suit jackets because for me, I feel like they're straight jackets. Like I feel I'm (laughs) like the eight year old kid that's itchy and you know, I just can't Mm -hmm. do it. They're very uh, constricting for me or, um, but I would say, you know, wearing clothes that are professional and comfortable like creates a confidence and authenticity. And My second advice is, if you put pearls in a nice pair of shoes with anything, you Mm -hmm. will be court-appropriate. And that's really my philosophy, you know, it doesn't, I'm kind of trying to work and change that idea that you have to be in a suit jacket. Um, I do Mm -hmm. a lot of dresses with cardigans and sweaters, um, and then I think a nice piece of jewelry and a nice pair of shoes and you're good to go. And I say that confidently that I do that about 90 to 95% of the time. When I do go to different counties that do not know me, I usually have a suit jacket on. Mm-hmm. So that I don't get asked, you know, I you know, was in another county and I walked in and I was handling a domestic violence restraining order hearing and when I was going in, I said, could you tell me where the uh, domestic violence courtroom is today? And, you know, the sheriff's officer said, and you are, and I look at them, and I just raise my eyebrows, and they say, victim advocate, and I'm thinking, right, why wouldn't it be lawyer? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure,
0: it runs through the gamut. It's, are you the victim advocate? No. Are Are you the interpreter? No. Are you... Um, A family member of the victim? No. Are you the victim? No. (laughs) It's like like a
2: game of guess who. Right. I used to get court reporter, paralegal, you know, like, which there's no court reporters anymore. So I've aged out of that one. Right, so it's it's a very new, unique perspective because you know you talked about being young and having that experience, but I know men that are twenty six and or twenty eight or young lawyers going in if they're in a suit, it's presumed they're a lawyer. My clients mm-hmm. that go into court in suits, um, and yeah. waiting in the courtroom are presumed to be lawyers if they're in a suit. Yes,
0: I've had that experience
2: too. Right, so. Yeah it is interesting so um after your clerkship so you were working with a solo practitioner and aside from the experiences of uh having to almost stomp your feet to be to say when you're in court i'm the lawyer which you don't want to (laughs) do right
1: Um,
2: what was the experience of working with a should we say successful uh solo practitioner respected man, you know, who who did exude lots of confidence. You would agree with that?
0: Absolutely. Um, And I used to joke around and call him the prince because he would walk into these courtrooms and now he was established for many years as well. He had established relationships with court staff and, and judges, especially in the municipal court arenas which as you know, they're, they're all their own little little fiefdoms and they all have their own personnel and people that you have to butter up. But he, he would walk into these courtrooms and I mean, <laughs> you would think he was literally the prince. I mean, they, oh, how are you? Good morning. Oh my gosh. You know, I walk in, it's like, can I help you? <laughs> you know, um, so right off the bat, there's, and, and I think you would agree with me when you're feeling confident, like how you were saying when you're wearing an outfit that's comfortable and you feel like you and you have confidence. When you're feeling confident, you are a better practitioner. You, you it just every the, the words flow better. The whole thing is more seamless. And when you feel like you're being stared at or judged or um, not being accepted, that can actually impact your performance as a lawyer. Um, and, and, and rattle you, at least it, it did for me at first when I was starting out. Um, but I would see my boss go into these courtrooms and just get treated like an absolute prince. <laughs> and I thought, when is that gonna happen for me? And 10 years in, it really still hasn't. I mean, of course I have good relationships and a good rapport with court staff members, but I've never completely crossed that threshold like like he did. And I wonder if, if that is a male versus female type of thing i don't know that's just i'm kind of just thinking out loud i'm not saying that is what it is um certainly the pandemic has alienated um us from court staff and
2: right kind of
0: kind of set those relationships back um in my experience at least but but yeah what was it like for you i mean the, the difference did you notice a difference in the way you were treated
2: versus your male co-worker right so i like you uh was working with a solo practitioner who was very well ex- well established, and um, uh, you know everyone loved him. And he grew up in Atlantic County, and I'm not from this area, so my experience initially, for about the first two years at least, I would go into every courtroom, and we we'll talk about municipal court here because. I think with Superior Court, the um, kind of holding my own as an attorney came a lot quicker. But in Municipal Court, and it's all about personalities and, who you know, your relationships, and I would walk in for two years, every time I would see the prosecutor and I would not presume they would know who I was. And there were some that I would come in and I would say, hi, I'm Melissa Rosenblum-Pzetzner. I'm an associate with blah, blah, blah law firm and uh, I'm handling the case today. And I had prosecutors who would pretend that they did not know who I was for two years in a row. Okay. Two years. And you have been
0: there multiple times, I'm sure, at that
2: point. Hundreds of times. You know, we're a small community <laughs> down here, a small <laughs> right. amount of attorneys. And, um, you know, it was really eye opening to me that it felt like I was not given just a courtesy of respect as a professional. And it wasn't until I say that prosecutors and court staff felt like I had value. And I don't really know when it turned. but. There was a change eventually. Um, and I don't know why they decided I had value all of a sudden, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was also interesting. And I don't know if it was a woman thing or an outsider thing on that issue, but I remember, um, I had a whole day of arguments on motions in Superior Court, and um. My boss, who later became my partner, said, I need you to go to Hamilton Municipal Court. I need you to go get a continuance on this case, or resolve, I don't know if it was continuance or resolving the case, and I said, I can't do it. And he's like, you're right there, you know, I can't get there, and I said, I said, I know our philosophy is to be nice to everyone, but I'm exhausted. And when I go and I'm treated poorly, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to be able to hold it together today. I said, you don't want Mm. me to go. And um, it was a court where like people, every time I would introduce myself and everyone would act like they didn't know me and they would give me offers that were clearly different than they would have given my partner. And I was like, I can't do it today. And he said, I'll call and I'll make sure, you know, and it was it was after that date. And I think maybe because they understood that I had, you know, real motions in Superior Court. It was after that that they were like, oh, she she knows what she's doing. I don't know what it was. But I I literally was like, I can't go and be nice. I can't pretend that this person hasn't met me a 100 times. Mm Because, you know, I was like, I can't pretend. I pretend most every other day. And I just smile. And, uh, and but there was a change. And I don't know what it was, that all of a sudden, people were like, oh, she's here, and she's staying, and she knows her stuff. And I don't know why it took so long as well, you know? Um, but I would see my then boss go in, and they were like, you know, comparable to what you were saying, loved him. I mean, they. if I went in sometimes, they'd be like, oh, it's you and not him, and I'd be like. <laughs> Visible disappointment. Visible disappointment. Um, I also had a little bit different experience, because when I started working in this area, I had already been practicing um, for about, been practicing 26 years, so about eight, 12 years already. So I wasn't new to lawyering. But I look younger than I am, which is good. But I would I go to definitely su- agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go to municipal courts and the prosecutor would say, um, I take it in the years you've been admitted to the bar in the order. So there'd be, you know, 10 defense attorneys. And the prosecutor would say, I would say, like, well, I was here before this person. And he'd say, well, I'm taking in the order that you've been admitted to the bar. So those who have been practicing longer get priority. And one day he said it. And I said, okay, let's put our years down. <laughs> and maybe other than Jerry Steiner, you know, who's been practicing forever, um, I was the next person and the prosecutor had to do a double take. And I was like, "Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. We shouldn't have to prove
0: it's a constant battle of proving worth that detracts from what our job actually is and from the work we need to be doing for our clients but the male attorneys just don't have to worry about that they don't have to constantly feel that pressure to prove their worth Um, or say i I have seniority i've been practicing x number of years because that's also another another thing that works against you um, if you're female and you're young Well you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. And then when I started winning motions and winning trials and it was, Oh, she actually does know what she's doing. Um, but I I do think at the beginning of my career and I do have to thank my boss for this. It was kind of like, um, the association with him actually really did help me at first. I, I really think it did. I, I, as much as I maybe don't want to admit that sometimes I want to just think, Oh, it's all my own merit, my own personality, my own hard work that got me to where I am, Uh, being associated with someone who was and is so well liked and respected. um, It's almost like as a woman, I don't think I would have been able to just start out on my own and get to where I am. Now I kind of had to have that helping hand from an established male, um, I think
2: the reality is I, I needed that. Um, right, but did you need it? I mean, so I agree with you on on most of what you're saying. I am grateful for um, what I learned in the relationships that I was able to um, create as a result of the goodwill of my former bo- boss and partner. There was a lot of mm-hmm. goodwill that came down to me and I'm thankful for that.
1: Sure. Um,
2: and I learned a lot. And I'm thankful for that, but I don't know if it had to be a male that taught me it. It happened to be a male that taught me that, um, because that's who I worked for. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to, with my own firm, kind of create that positive avenues and connections uh, for my staff um, as a woman. I don't know. I mean, you said it like you're thankful that it were you thankful that you learned it that you got you received the goodwill from him or that it had to be from a man who gave it to you
0: well i think i think because of society being the way it is it was better that it was a man um <laughs> That's i don't agree that it ha- i don't think it should be that way but i think it is that way and i and I, now don't get me wrong if i had worked for Let's say you right now at, at your status your career your number of years you know your practice is is expanding you're, you're doing an amazing thing with your practice if I were fresh out of law school right now and working for you
2: I think the same thing would happen oh, I was gonna say did you want me to start wooing you because you know I'm looking <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes
0: <laughs> maybe it would be better to uh, have that have that paycheck but um, but I, I think I think we're agreeing that the goodwill that came to us from the male person that we worked with was helpful. Um, but what I'm saying is I don't think I could have just left the clerkship and said, you know what, I'm opening up my own shop, which, of course, is a huge risk for a male attorney to do as well. Being a brand newbie and saying I'm going to open my own shop, you don't have those established connections. But I, I do think it. Yeah, I, I, I would have I... failed if I had tried that.
2: Yeah, it just seems like men do it more. So let me ask you now, cause you're, you have a good transition there. There came a time that you decided to leave and open up your own law firm. So yes. what was the tipping point? What was your, was it the confidence that you had in knowing that you could do it? Or was there something that you realized that you just, you needed to move on?
0: Yeah, I, I think that it was time to move on because the personality of my former boss, um, it's, he's more of a solo. He's just not the kind of person that wants to have a partner and a, and a, a, a practice like that. He kind of just works better in the format of attorney, associate attorney, associate. Um, and right now, I don't even think he has an associate. I think he just has paralegals, but, um, in any event, I just knew that partnership wasn't going to happen and, advancement wasn't going to happen and I think you're right I think the confidence because I had been doing so well and establishing those relationships those connections and feeling like okay you know what I I have a, a good client base now I have a good rapport with all of my clients and I and I just felt like self-employment has always been my dream too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, I don't want to work for someone else forever because that's just not what I want to do. So if I don't want to work for someone else, I, I have to go out on my own. Um, and so all of those things combined, um, led me to start my own practice. And and I, I actually, after my first boss, I did work for, um, a female attorney, uh, for a, a brief period of time. It was only about maybe a year and a half at that. And uh, the, there are some interesting stories there, but that that did not work out. And after that is when I um, started my practice as a solo. Did that for about a year and then partnered up with my current partner for the past three years. Almost, just about three.
2: And so have you... Um run your practice differently than what you saw? Did you take things from your old practice, from being an associate, what you learned there and implemented it where you are now? Or did you decide to have a clean slate and create something uniquely you?
0: I took a lot of things from my prior employment um, because, I mean, I'm definitely not here to bash my previous boss. He did a lot of things very well, and there there were a lot of things that that kept that business churning like a well oiled machine. And I thought, okay, he's he's got a lot of a lot of experience and running his own practice, and and I, I did take a lot from him. But partnering up with a, a woman and and a younger woman. Um, who also, like us, had the experience of working for a solo male attorney for for quite a while before she went out on her own. Um, I've taken a lot from her, too. And seeing her perspective and the way she practices, it it is very different, Um, which I I think is interesting to see, the the differences between the way she does things and the way he did things. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to younger attorneys coming out? I mean, you know, we, we're talking about the fact, the area of law that we do, that it's not very female dominated in the private practice. And it's, it's, it, and I think it's, people don't realize that even though law school has more women in it than men now, I think it's like 52% women, only 48% mm-hmm. men. Um, and then uh, women go into practice, a lot of women step out of the practice of law too. And so by the time you're 10 years out, 15 years out, 20 years out, there's not as many women practicing. It's still a male dominated field. Um, what would you say to either younger Nancy Ann or somebody, you know, graduating law school right now?
0: Hmm. Wow. So many things. So many things come
2: to mind. Don't do it is one. No. Um, Oh, I I was going to ask you that question, too, because it's such a it's such a great question to ask lawyers. And they're so uh, passionate about whether they would recommend it or not. But yeah, I mean, what what advice would you give?
1: I have a
0: couple of things that come to mind. And, And one thing that I this is not so much a sort of a female based thing or a male based thing. This is just a, a practice thing. As an attorney, you just, you can't let the successes get to your head or the failures get to your heart because chances are you didn't have anything to do with either one. Um, there's a lot of luck and circumstance and the way, you know, you get a certain judge for a motion as opposed to a different judge or you get a client who's really receptive to a a plea agreement that another client wouldn't be. And you can't end the day by patting yourself on the back and going, man, I did a really amazing job today. I'm the best. And you also can't end your day by saying, wow, I suck. I I didn't get this thing I wanted. I didn't win this motion or whatever it is. Because as long as you're doing your best, number one, the facts are what they are. (laughs) You, You know this, Melissa, any attorney knows this. You can't change what happened. You can't change your client and who they are. Um, So there's a lot of just kind of just suspend your belief about yourself. Always just kind of keep your head down, work hard, but don't think that when you win something, you're the best attorney in the world. And don't think that if you lose something, you're the worst attorney in the world as criminal defense practitioners. We lose a lot (laughs) because the system is set up that way on purpose until the point of trial, the prosecutors have many advantages, and that's that's how the system is set up. So um, I think that's that's something that because I, I think when you're talking about attorneys that are mostly women leaving the profession after a number of years, my speculation or my opinion on that is maybe the constant roller coaster of wow, I'm such a great attorney on Monday, and then Tuesday you feel like crap. I think that constant roller coaster of of how you feel about yourself as an attorney and a practitioner that's just terrible for your mental health and probably physical too
2: yeah um think if you can
0: just kind of not get into that (laughs) pattern of riding the roller coaster right that's going to save your mental health
2: well yeah i mean you can in a day go from high to low to in between you know there are times uh, you win a motion you're like i'm awesome i lose emotion i stink but You know, it's really funny that you say that, because um, I would jokingly say that, you know, the men I know, they win the motions and they're like, I'm the best, awesome, you know, greatest lawyer in the world. (laughs) And then they lose a motion and it's that judge didn't know what they were talking about. And it's never, um, it's never, you know. I jokingly have said uh, to my former partner, you know, I love that my successes are, you know, you own all my success, you know, you, he, mm. he has said like, he's responsible for like, my, all my success. Mm-hmm. And hmm. Oh, I've, I've received comments like that, too. And then, <laughs> and when I, when I have said, well, what about my failures, none, none, like any failures, He's like, "Nope, that's you." So um, <laughs> uh. yes, <yeah>, so <laughs> right. Um, but I do agree with you that um, you know, I think that hard work um, creates good luck and good fortune. Um, they kind of go hand in hand, but you know, there are cases that um, hurt your heart. There are clients that you want to do more for and sometimes, you know, the facts are not going to not going to support, you know, a positive outcome. And uh, I agree if you based your happiness on winning or losing, which is really not what the criminal justice system is about, you know, you you would be, you know, bipolar.
0: Well, it's not what it's supposed to be about. But I have heard rumors, for example, that a certain prosecutor's office keeps tallies on wins. And it it is about winning. And as a prosecutor, they, they get to win a lot. So I'm sure that does start to inflate some egos. And right. But you're right. It's not supposed to be about that. It's, a, it's about seeking truth and justice, um, whatever path that takes, whether a prosecutor has to give up give up the house for that, or um, our client goes to prison. I mean, it's not supposed to be about, like you said, winning or losing. And winning or losing is often a gray thing. I was going to say,
2: you know, we can debate- The client goes
0: to prison and it's still a win sometimes. It sounds crazy to say that. (laughs) Right,
2: well, I would say that the definition of winning and losing is different for defense and a prosecutor. And there are trials that I've had where my clients were found not guilty of first degree robbery and, you know, uh, found guilty of a theft. And that's that's a win, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, I do. I do agree with you that. um, uh, I mean, you went down a road when you talk about prosecutors like talking about winning uh, that just makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. it makes me angry because I'm always yeah. like what are you winning? my client has a family. Uh, right. you know how can you cheer or or I don't know. I just think like
0: uh, I had the, a um, prosecutor say to my former boss uh, I was I was in court with him on a big case when this was happening and the prosecutor said, my job is to convict your client. And my boss, he he gave it right back, and he said, you know what? That's not true. Your job is to seek truth and justice. And I could not have been prouder of him in that moment. And, uh, I mean, I actually get goosebumps. I know that sounds a little corny, but I actually get goosebumps thinking about that moment because that moment was so real and so raw. And I, I was just really in awe of him in that moment. And I never obviously forgot that.
2: Right. Because right and
0: that is what a prosecutor's job is
2: and there's an rpc rules of professional conduct which says that's what their job is not and it's not to convict um i do find that um as we went down this road that my biggest issue is that it seems like most prosecutors can never admit that they were wrong Mm -hmm. you know um wrong on yeah
0: well they're wrong on the offices foster that. They foster an environment of, it's almost like a smug, you know, we're right, we're the good guys, we're on the right side of things. And this, of course, is not everyone or every individual person. I I have a lot of prosecutors that I have tons of respect for, but there are, from what I understand, some offices and some sections or teams that feel that way.
2: Yeah, it's one of the things that drives me crazy. Crazy, you know. Um, so did we finish the advice to young Nancy Ann? Oh, yes, we did. I think, yeah, the, yeah. the
0: summary I, I said it, I made a very convoluted, long no, I got cheap. it. You can't live by the, the highs <laughs>
2: or the lows, yes, right, right, yes. yes,
0: exactly. And that's that's tough. I, I have many days, you know, 10, 11 years in where I'm still struggling with that and trying to tell myself, okay, you know, you did your best. You you were handed a, a pile of garbage and you still, you know, managed to put a little dollop of whipped cream on the pile of garbage. So cool. Good for you. Um, so I, I still struggle with that. And I try to remind myself all the time that it's not, there are a lot of wins that I really can't even take credit for, you know, prosecutor was in a good mood that day, or, you know, you just, you can't, you do your best, and maybe you make a difference in eighty percent of your clients' lives. and the other twenty, you have to just close the door on that and and know that you tried.
2: Right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. So um advice to uh, college graduates, for example, an Eliana who's thinking about law school, you say no, Aww. don't do it.
0: <laughs> that was a joke. That was a, I mean, was it? I don't know. I have to re-examine that, but um, a college graduate thinking about law school. hmm, I would say that going into law school, you you do have to make sure that you have the mental toughness. Um, If someone's the kind of individual that cries when someone looks at them wrong, maybe law school is not for them. Um, <laughs> thick skin. I, I think you, you have to have the self-awareness as a 22 a year old, which is hard to find at that age, but you have to have the self-awareness to know if maybe your personality is not suited for that. And, and of course there are transactional type jobs that are not the, the type of pressure and stress that litigation, um, entails like what we do, you know, more, more high stakes kind of stuff. Of course there are there's a need for people to draw up commercial real estate contracts and sit in an office and do that all day. So you don't have to necessarily be a, a brazen type to do that work. But, um, yeah, I think, I think somebody has to really want it. I don't think it should just be a, eh, maybe I'll just go to law school just because unless you have the money, <laughs> if you just have, you know, $300,000 lying around and you just want to do that for fun, go ahead. But, I think you have to really want it. You have to know that you want it.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and Eliana doesn't have $300,000. <laughs> <Well>, who does? <laughs> so that's actually very funny. There, You know, most lawyers aren't trial courtroom attorneys. I think we're the exception. I just think mm-hmm. we're surrounded by people who are all trial attorneys. Because right. No, of- you're right. You're right because of what we do. But I think she would want to do trial work as well. It's just very interesting. Um, you know, everyone everyone who's practicing law um, or who was a lawyer, because I know a lot of people who are not practicing anymore, the, there seems to be such a strong reaction to, should I or should I not go to law school? And I've had um, Judge Sanson, you know, he has been working for Four years of Ellie's college of saying, don't go to law school. Um, And he had an Mm. extremely successful career. He was successful as a lawyer, he was successful as a judge, and uh, he's adamant for her not to go to law school. And I think, and I do think back to our conversation about, you know, and your advice of really wanting it is that I really like what I do. I I mean, sometimes I'm exhausted. Sometimes I'm frustrated with the system because um, I have to explain to my clients that it's not really fair or just in many ways. Um, But my kids have seen that I really like what I do, and Mm -hmm. um, which is why some of them wanna be lawyers. But I have to say to them, there are a lot of lawyers that don't like what they do.
0: Yeah. Well, plus it's such a, um, I guess a pigeonhole that you get into. And of course, people say, oh, you can do other things with a law degree, which you can, of course. But obviously, it's very tailored towards <laughs> you get a law degree, you become a lawyer. <laughs> um, that's pretty that's a pretty obvious thing. Right. And so even though people say, well, you can do other things, you can do other things. Yeah, um, you can. But I, I do think that's why some people just stay in the profession, because it's too daunting to think of, well, what else am I gonna do? What else, what else are my skills tailored for? I mean, I, I'm not gonna be drafting pleadings, uh, being the manager at Costco, which I'm sure a law degree, you'd be a great candidate to be a manager at Costco. I think that would actually be a really cool job. But, um, you know, it, it, I do think people kind of get stuck. And, and there's a, of course a, a cycle too, which most of us have debt from law school and we're just trying to keep up and make enough money to pay off that debt. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason I think people stay stuck in the profession.
2: Right, well I find that my friends whose first job paid a lot of money but they didn't like and they stayed in it because it paid a lot of money are the attorneys that are mostly miserable. And my Mm -hmm. friends who went into the area of law that they wanted to go into or switched into the area of law that they wanted to go into um, are much happier with what they do. Um, So I do say to young attorneys, you know, when I'm talking with them about their career paths, if if they say to me, you know, I don't really like this area of law that I'm in. I sort of fell into it that was the job i was offered i'm always you know my first advice is change change now you're only a year in you can start right. something new right and um you know i People tell me with my law firm, you should do this. You should, you know, you should, you know, do this area of law, or I can get you these contracts. And I'm like, no, I know my lane. I can't do something different now. I've been doing criminal law for 26 years. I'm not going to start dabbling in an area of law that I'm not going to be um, proficient, or you know, at this point, I feel in criminal like you know, have an expertise and a confidence. I don't want to learn anything new uh, when it comes to, you know, contracts, real estate, divorce, you know? Right,
0: right. Oh, and that, you know, that's interesting you say that because I, I started my career with a clerkship and criminal. And then for the first five years of my career was exclusively criminal. And then the second law firm that I that I briefly worked for before going out on my own was a, a family law attorney. Um, so I was still taking on criminal matters, um, criminal municipal court matters, but I also had to handle family law stuff and started to bring in family law. And it's just the misery of divorce and custody, um, which I, I have done until recently. So the last five years of my career, I have supplemented my criminal municipal court practice with family law and it has been difficult. So I, I like your advice to a young lawyer to say if you don't like that practice area, get out. Because you, you will get stuck. And now you're in this wheel that keeps turning and divorces keep coming and you know they those cases last forever. So you just have to keep doing them and trudging through them. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're right. You you do have to find the practice area that you like and make sure that you don't you know, fall into the trap of, well, I could make more money if I also did wills or if I also did this. And I think there is a perception that some of the attorneys that you go on their website and there's like a list a mile long of their practice areas. They do wills, trust, estates, criminal, personal injury, medical malpractice. And you're like, you can't possibly be good at all of those things. Like you said, you have been a criminal practitioner. That's your expertise. Um, and I, and I think I agree with that. Really, you can only do one or two practice areas and be good at right. them. I mean, um, and you know, and- I'm sure some people hate me for saying that the, the people that are just trying to earn a living, so they take whatever case comes their way. But I just don't see how you can be good at that many things. You, you just, there's too much knowledge you have to have and practical experience that you, you have to focus.
2: Exactly. I mean, you know, um, are there exceptions? Can people do it successfully? Yeah, I guess there are some exceptions, but I don't really know. I think the most the law firms that I know that are really successful, and I'm going to talk smaller now, are the law firms that have a a niche, you know, and mm-hmm. they're known for that. Um, so, with regards to your law practice now. And, you know, having your own law firm, I know you were solo for a little bit and now you have a partner. What about running your business? um, Did you love or do you love? And what about what's about running your business that you, you know, wish you can (laughs) give to somebody else?
0: Oh, that's funny. Um, I think I got very lucky with my current partner because we do have some strengths and skill sets that overlap, of course, but we're also very different. I mean, she, she makes a mean spreadsheet and she likes to keep track of data. And and there are things that she just automatically does. And who knows, maybe she doesn't enjoy them. And she's just saying that she does, but she does them and she executes. And I'm so grateful for that because I'm much more intuitive, big picture. I don't like numbers. I don't like data. I don't like, um, you know tax things which of course we have professionals you know bookkeepers and all kinds of people CPAs to assist us in in those really nitty-gritty things that i hate but um but yeah i think running running a business with a partner is really great because you do have somebody else to to spread the annoying tasks around i mean i don't know how you do it i know you have staff but um you don't have somebody else to say hey you know i did that annoying thing yesterday can you do it today and my partner is really good about that. if i if I'm having a day where it's particularly difficult clients or potential new clients that I've consulted with all day or something, you know, then the next day she'll handle it. Um, so that's that's been really, really great for me to have a partner who's willing to kind of help me carry the carry the load sometimes. but but yeah, when it comes to the actual business, um, I'm not the best, and my partner will tell you that. I'm not the best with numbers and accounts and things that are super businessy I, I don't i don't know that i have a career as a as a business person um per se if it weren't for the practice of law and my partner
2: <laughs> well i always say they didn't teach us how to run a business you know when we were in law school i mean no i, I didn't know they didn't I, teach just how to practice law <laughs> There are things that I jokingly say to my staff, and I, I do have an, I'm fortunate, I have an amazing staff. I have two young women who I hired, both of them right out of college. Um, one is a Stockton University graduate, and she's two years out, or almost, she's two and a half years out. And I have a Rowan University graduate, both criminal justice majors, who's uh, who is about one and a half years out, and they're just so hardworking. And they're pretty good about kind of dealing with clients that are a little difficult, and then letting me know for me to follow up with them. So I'm not bombarded with that. But um yeah, it is really hard in the sense of, you know, I didn't know i was going to have my own business i am fortunate my parents were small business owners so i did get to see it from Ah. that perspective um they're they were not lawyers uh my dad and mom my dad owned um video arcades when i was little so pretty cool yeah (laughs) that is so cool i did not know that and um and then later in life, they had a cigar store, uh, which had lotteries and a card store component to it. But I saw the small business element of it. Um, I never really thought I would be a small business owner, um, but you know, I I say now I wish I took business classes. I I feel like mm. there are things that I'm missing, and I have an accountant who does my taxes and and things like that. But um I feel like that's not my strength. Um, I also feel like um, the copier machine, they didn't teach us this in law school. (laughs) Sometimes I'm fighting with the copier uh, and I laugh at it. I just have to walk away and I look at my staff and I'm like, I didn't learn this. I don't know how to make it work. Can you do this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts, literally and figuratively, to running a small law firm, um, I just try not to think of what I do as a business, although it is, and, and I guess in a technical sense, I am a, a, a business woman or a business person, but um, I, I'm fortunate that much of that in the day-to-day is not something I deal with a whole lot. Well, who does your marketing? Uh, We have a company called Digital Esquire. Shout out Digital Esquire. Um, Or no, it's Esquire Digital, I think. I don't know. I may have just screwed that up. They used to be called Next Level and they just changed their name. Um, They are wonderful. They do our social media posts. They do our website. Um, They're great. So we have really good help with them, which my partner had already established a relationship with them from her solo practice. She Mm -hmm. was a solo for about three years before we joined up. So she already had that established, which was great. I just kind of jumped into it. I got lucky. I mean, I kind of jumped into my partner's firm almost in a way. I mean, we, we formed our own firm, but she was more established on the front end. And so there were a lot of systems and things already in place that I give her credit. She, she did a great job putting those systems in place and I have been benefiting from them. Um, yeah, that's right. The copier the copier can be tough.
2: Well, you know, I just mean when it jams, I'm like, I can't fix you. I'm sorry. Well, like, you know. It says it's a jam and it's not. And I'm like, stop lying to me.
0: There's no there's no <laughs> paper. Nothing is happening. Like you drama queen. I, I know. It's it's maddening. And of course that's, it only happens when you're like under the gun and the judge called and was like send me this thing and you're like okay now copy your jam
2: right and 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 then it's you know a lot of the stress is when my stuff isn't there and it happens and I'm like oh my goodness why do you hate me why do you hate me so but um all right well um i, I usually finish these uh, podcasts with uh, some rapid fire questions and I'm like changing them up all the time. I did ask Ooh. you the, the law school question, would you recommend law school already? Um, these are easy um, and they're supposed to be fun, so there's no stress on them. Um, when you're not lawyering, what do you do for fun or relaxation?
0: Ah, That's a good one. Um, I really like to cook. Uh, I consider myself a good cook mm-hmm. and I enjoy trying out different recipes, um, of course, drinking the wine while cooking is a fabulous way to unwind. Um, and I have a, a two-year-old rescue dog that is very active. And so I take her on at least an hour, if not closer to two hours worth of walks every day. So lots of walking with the pup um, and cooking and concerts. I, I, I enjoy, I'll see just about anyone. It doesn't matter who. I just I love to go to concerts, big or small venues. Last night, actually, my dad and I went to see a Led Zeppelin cover band in uh, Millville at Mm -hmm. at this place called the Lavoie Theater. It was it was awesome.
2: So much there. I like I was (laughs) I was thinking, what do you what's your favorite thing to cook right now? And then I wanted to be like, how big was the concert? How you know what was the venue? (laughs) So I don't even know where to go from there. Um, What are you um, are you? reading or uh, are you reading any books right now that you would say highly recommend? Mm, Right now I'm actually trying to force myself to read
0: more um, business improvement lawyer type books and Mm -hmm. I just started reading it's actually in front of me it's called Tiger Tactics Powerful Strategies for Winning Law Firms and I just thought you know you, you can always improve and I, I shouldn't just be reading, you know, fiction type books for pleasure. I should probably throw in some business type um, stuff, even though it's <laughs> I don't want to. Um, but I, I just started Tiger Tactics, and it's actually pretty good. So, uh, for for any small um, law firm owners, it, I, I think so far a pretty a pretty decent book to check out.
2: Gotcha. I, I am going to check it out. I've I've been reading a lot of leadership books right now. Ooh. Um, which is kind of back to where we started. There were lots of things I learned from my old law firm that I'm greatly appreciative of, um, and the philosophy of working hard and being kind to everyone and respecting everyone. But there's also things that I didn't like that I would like to create a, a better work atmosphere for my staff, um, mm-hmm. you know, and because we're, we're growing and we're trying to hire an associate, I feel like, um, you know, everyone who's working with me is helping me build the business. And I would like to be a leader that they feel like they can come and share and help build the business and they have an investment in it as well. So. Wow. um, Are you binge watching anything?
0: Hmm. What was the last thing? Oh, the last thing I binge watched was The Watcher on Netflix. Um, la- was it last week? The 13th, which was my birthday, October 13th. <laughs> Happy um, birthday. Thank you. I guess that was last week. God, I don't know. It it's been a long week. It feels like one of those weeks that it's like two or three weeks condensed into one. So, I, yeah, it was last week. <laughs> my birthday was last week. And it was raining. And my best friend had come up to visit and spend the day with me. We were going to go shopping or go whatever, go do something. And we got sucked in to The Watcher, which the the producers of the show, I believe, are the same producers who do American Horror Story and Glee
1: mm-hmm. and
0: American Crime Story. So it's sort of like dark comedy, um, dramedy type stuff, uh, which I enjoy. And it started a little slow, but it got better and I enjoyed it. So we actually, we watched the whole thing. I think it was seven or eight episodes in one day. And um, that was the last thing. What about you? Is there anything good that I should know about? Oh, no,
2: I'm not the person to ask at all. I. I'm not the person to ask. (laughs) Everyone tells me all these shows. Somebody, I had breakfast this morning with a group of friends. Call it my old old man breakfast group, and uh, they were talking about the Watcher, and uh, and uh, it it just was interesting that you mentioned it too. But no, so um, you know, I run a lot. Um, Yeah. So I wake up early in the morning about 5.30, 5.45, and I run. And um, and then I work a full day. And then by mm-hmm. 8.30, I'm ready to go to sleep. And right. I just, Aww. and so I don't really watch TV anymore. And it's not because I wouldn't, it's just I don't feel like I have time um, Yeah, with everything. Um, you know, but I hear all these shows and I'm like, mm, that should go on my list. And um, you know, has not. <laughs>
0: So, I, I get it though. I mean look, it's T V is not the best thing for you. It, it's better to do what you're doing, you know, take care of your mind, body and spirit. You know, read books about leadership. I mean well, oh, we yeah. should all be more like you. Come oh, on. Stop. I the you're running awesome. the
2: running is my mental health though. I mean you know, my kids will say, uh, go for a run, mom. And and they're saying to me, You're getting a little snappy. You're you know, like <laughs> You're being cranky,
0: go go get the endorphins, go
2: yes and and then come back yeah
0: favorite color (laughs) Ooh, um purple all shades lavender
2: violet i just think purple is the prettiest and anybody who thinks otherwise can fight me there you go so that is ellie's color eliana's favorite color is purple and and lavender and 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 she's committed to it and uh and it works because mine is pink and uh we all like to have our separate colors in this house but we do a lot of pink and purple (laughs) together which yeah yes so thank you so much for joining me on the mighty Mert podcast i know we've been trying to do this for a while i love talking to you i love cheering your career on and cheering all your successes um so proud i saw your uh you know, you've been a super lawyer a number of times as a um, rising star. Yes, Thank and you. yeah, about four or five years now. Yes, and I just every every award I see, or when you're lecturing, I'm always so proud of you. I don't mean that in a in a condescending. I really am cheering you on with all your successes, Aww. and I just love it so. Thank you for sharing. Um, hopefully, young women can listen to this and um, sort of be able to navigate uh, through the legal system um, and uh, have the success uh, as they're hopefully going to change it, so that we don't get the "who are you?" <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Uh, you're right, and and thank you for the kind words. And I'm. Um, really thrilled to be able to call you a friend and a mentor. So mm. thank you for for that and, and for having me today. This was really a lot of fun.
1: Thank you for listening in. Mighty Merp is available on iTunes, Spotify, and all your favorite apps and players. But the best way to experience the show is to visit MightyMurp.com. That's Mighty, m-e-r-p.com. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance.